It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, September 5th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is wishing everybody a happy Labor Day. Yeah, hopefully it's been fun, and we'll uh, we'll try and keep the good times going. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We've got a mailbag coming up on Wednesday, so get those questions in. On today's show, we are going to do a little bit of a deep dive into James Van Riemsdyk and then talk about what might have been if they had chosen to buy out his contract this season. So a little bit of a twofer with James Van Riemsdyk today. Of course, it's Monday, so we'll end with our nemesis of the week. Always a good time there. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, plus we're over on YouTube, so subscribe over there as well. All right, Russ, how was your holiday weekend? Really good, really good. Um, enjoying the weather, did some painting. Uh, nice. Did not enjoy the women's game, but, you know, the oh. gold medal game. And all that went on with that, Canada. especially especially the medal ceremony, that was ghastly. Mm. Um. Uh, but other than that, yeah, a pretty good weekend. Same. All right, James Van Riemsdyk. We have talked a lot about him over this offseason as it relates to either a buyout, like mostly what we're going to talk about today. We've also talked about potential trades to try and get his contract off the book so that maybe they can make room for somebody, you know, like Johnny Goudreau or something, you know, just innocuous like that. Right. So I think, you know, it is important to take a look at what the buyout would have accomplished and then just kind of what we would have to replace with that money and how we might accomplish that. So, Uh, Given that the buyout would have not really saved a ton of money, we would have only saved uh, about $2.66 million, and it would have added a cap hit of $1.33 million to next year's cap as well, even though he wouldn't be on the team anymore. That's how Mm -hmm. the terms of the buyout would have played out. It's not a ton of money, but it's useful money. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely useful money. Uh, with that money, as an example, there's probably three or four players you could have gotten, or at least try to get. And I think that's the um, the important thing. Even one of them who cost a little more, you you may have been able to get via trade. Um, but again, then you'd have to make a trade, and Flyers don't seem to want to make trades anymore. So. That's where I look at it and say, yeah, I get it. Like you're 
going to hope that JVR has a great year and you won't have this cap buyout on your books. But what are you really getting for him? You're not going to get a whole lot for him at the deadline. No, but I think with JVR, it's an interesting scenario because he does have a certain level of productivity on the team that you would have to figure out how to replace. Now, he's definitely streaky. We all know that. Yes. You know, and he tends to pick things up a little bit where it doesn't really matter for the team as much. So <laughs> I think there is that to consider, but I think there's a couple important factors with him. And I, I think the most important part, honestly, with the flyers and the way things have gone the last couple of years, he is remarkably healthy. He's the only player on the flyers this past season to play in all 82 games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Given that, but again, I didn't really matter if you played in all 82 for this team this year, quite frankly. So just playing and showing up isn't good enough in this league. That is true. I just think that when you have somebody who has, you know, even on a, a weak team, the highest level of productivity who's healthy, I think there is something to that with um, some level of you know, accountability there for him. He did have the most goals on the team last season with 24. Uh, nine of them were on the power play, uh, fourth in points with 38. Um, but at the same time, you know, his Corsi 4 percentage was only 48%, which was third on the team. If you look at only guys that played more than 30 games. Yeah. Which is like unbelievably bad for an NHL team if that's your third highest guy. Yeah. Right? But just to give an example at times where they were struggling to and needed goals. Um, so from like January 22nd to March 17th, he scored two goals, three goals, sorry, three. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, yeah, he's there, he's playing minutes and, you know, there were a couple games he had some assists, but there were plenty of games where he was minus, 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 minus three, minus, minus, you know. And so when you look at his goals, a lot of these goals came later. Like all of a sudden, March 18th to April 25th, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his goals came then. Ten. Ten goals came from March 18th to actually April 29th. That's ten goals. Right. And that's exactly what I was talking about, that he's yep. scoring picked up when it didn't matter <laughs> anymore. Right. And so that's where, yes, he showed up for games. Great. You could count on him. But he only picked it up when the season was lost. Yeah. So given, I think, all of that with, you know, there's definitely some good there, but also some bad and some yes. not very useful there, I think is maybe the best way to put it. He's just not remarkably useful on right. the team. And so do you think that his productivity and his role are replaceable with existing players in the system? I mean, the system... I probably could give the same role to Noah Cates and get, you know, 16 goals this year because he's a young player. He's not quite as strong yet as JVR, but he's probably smarter two-way. Um, so I feel like I can get 16 goals 
And I think if you get 16, but he's also getting assists and he's on the right side of the puck, as they say, um, might be more useful. Yeah, I also think his power play role could ultimately be replaced. I think there's a couple of young guys that um, I think Owen Tippett, if he can get his shot well off, I think could potentially replace his role on the power play as well. So, Or if he even wanted to put Hodgson in front of the net too, Mm -hmm. if he got a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if if they can – uh, have him on the roster with the way the numbers game works out. I think he could also find some success on the power play. And then, you know, I think defensively, he basically is non-existent. <laughs> like on occasion, he'll do that back check where you're like, oh, hey, you did that. But but I guarantee if we really. look, <laughs> it, it's mostly offensive zone starts, right? Like I'm sure if we look mm-hmm. deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it seems like we do think that what he does could be replaced in a number of ways with existing players. And I guess where I'm going with that is with any potential cap savings, would you need it to replace him or could you meet some other needs? No, I could have met other needs and have somebody else play his role. Yeah, like that's, I, I think that's where I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And we'll get to maybe some of those other needs that we can fill out after the break. But first, we're going to hear about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you could find a really good hiding place and hoard them for yourself. What's great about Built is all their all of their bars are made from collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab a grab yourself a built bar. Go to built.com, use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code lock15 at built.com. So now that we've established that we can replace what JVR can do with other roster players, I think where you look to next is what do they do? do this off season that you know while we don't like it per se they had the nick delorier contract they brought justin braun back and the jbr money could have covered either one of those for this off season and made room to do something else to improve right. the team in addition to that right so one player that instantly would have helped this team and i think if you had made the trade for him, you could get three to four more wins, would be Dmitry Kulikov. He literally was sent 
for um, future considerations, which is nothing. Like they may ask you for a seventh mm -hmm. round pick somewhere, or they may never ask you for anything. So all you had to do was take his cap hit, and his cap hit was 2.25. He was like a plus 21 last year. I'm doing this from memory because we looked it up the other day, like 100 hits, something like that, blocks, like good defenseman, good, solid skating defenseman. You get him, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, you don't have to put D'Angelo on the top pairing. You can put D'Angelo down a notch. You can let Kulikov at least go on the top pairing or the second pair if you want to keep D'Angelo up there, fine. But it does make your whole defense better. And I think he's a right-handed shot, but I got to look it up. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, you know, he did have a, a pretty solid year last year, like you were talking about. And the Wild didn't necessarily want to let him go. But no, you know what it is? He's a left-handed shot. Sorry. But he played the right side like 57 games or something. He was one of those guys that could mm -hmm. play either side. So you, obviously you'd find a spot for him. Right. Right. So, yeah, the Wild didn't want to let him go, but they just were kind of forced into it by their own cap problems. So I, I think that, you know, the Ducks are, are lucky to have gotten him in this way. Um, and we'll certainly. Yeah, I, I would have brought out JVR sure. that that moment because I'm sure Chuck could call the Wild and they would have done this deal. And I would have instantly done this deal and just bought out JVR at the last possible minute. So what? But my team would be remarkably better. Yeah, because if you're using this cap savings to get a better defenseman like that, right? So then you don't have to re-sign Nick Sealer first off. So right. I, th I would rather have, and even if you get Braun back in this scenario, to have Braun be your seventh D and have Kulikov in there is a much better option than what they have now. Yeah, I'm even suggesting... If this was done two weeks ago and everybody was there, so Nick Sealer goes to the AHL, fine. Mm -hmm. That's where he where he should play most of the season anyhow. And mm -hmm. you've got Kulikov instead. And you could juggle the pairs however you want. It's a better team. Um, another player who went late was um, Paul Stastny. Yes. So that's another guy who who's a a good centerman. Still, yes, he's not fleet of foot, but in a um, in the system that John Tortorella plays, you don't have to have all the best skaters. He would definitely find a use for Stastny. I mean, he would be third line center, easy. And on this team, yeah, easy. Maybe even second line, and and he could handle the job. And he took a one year, one and a half million dollar deal from the Hurricanes. I don't think he did it just because it was the Hurricanes because he hung out there for an awfully long time. He did. So, again, how, how much better would your team be if you played Noah Cates more and now you have Stastny down the middle? That's a lot better. Right. And then what that does in the long run is also make your fourth line better because it pushes better yes. guys down to that fourth line. And if you're going to have kids – playing on the fourth line you want it to be more of a scoring option line as opposed to just a physical line and so maybe you don't have to sign Delorier in this scenario or yeah maybe that you know you don't re-sign Zach McEwen and because you have Delorier right it's it's an right. either or in this scenario with a more scoring and oriented fourth line which I think 
is a really good option to have some playmaking opportunities there. Yeah, and Stastny's do, a good face-off guy too. So Torch would love him. Like as a player, Torch would love him. Yeah. I do think one of the other options that they could have accomplished with this money is fixing the backup goalie situation. That yes. maybe there's a better option there because I think obviously with the Ivan Fedotov situation, there isn't competition as much for that backup spot. It's Felix Sandstrom, which could work out fine. I'm it's like you know, no shade on Felix Sandstrom. It's just that I feel like competition for that spot and having more options that you feel comfortable about would be better than the situation we're in now. And there's plenty of affordable backup goalies that you could get for two and a half million. Yeah. So um, I think you're right about that because again, if you are talking about saving Carter Hart, like John Tortorella was, best way you could save them is to have somebody really good with them. <laughs> it really yeah. is. I mean, that's, you know, besides building up the blue line that we talked about, it's also having somebody really good with them. So as an example, Yarrow Halak, who is the Rangers backup, mm-hmm. getting a million and a half. There you go. Perfectly so maybe even, option. maybe even for the Flyers, you have to give them two, right? Because it's the Flyers. Mm-hmm. But right. you do that because then you don't kill Carter Hart this season with a team that may not be great. And now you've got Halak there who could play a lot of games. We don't know how many games a Sandstrom can play. Like we just don't. Right. Yeah. Because of his injury history, he hasn't carried the Phantoms ever. Right. And I think that that's really important here. You know, they've had. Um, really solid AHL level goaltenders who've really shouldered more of the load than they should have relative to prospects the last few years. You know, we had Zane McIntyre uh, a couple of years ago doing that. We had Pat Nagel this past season um, and who's back for this upcoming season again. So I really think that there's some questions there about Felix Sandstrom in the in the backup role. Now, could Sam Erson step up and maybe snag it? Possibly, but not likely right now. And so I just that whole thing, I think, is something that makes me nervous that we don't talk about as much, mostly just because I think, you know, we have some defensive problems to worry about and goals to be scored to worry about that are taking precedence. But this cap space that JVR buyout could have provided might have solved that problem. Yeah, because at the end of the day, unless JVR is going to have like 18 goals by the time you trade them, you were better off doing this other option. And if this is last year, he didn't he because he scored 10 late. Mm-hmm. So that's where you have to look at it and say, what is he really going to provide you where I can fill that slot I can get the same production he gave me last year. I'm, I'm sure of that. And and now I could shore up other areas, which, again, I don't think necessarily makes you a playoff team, but it definitely puts you closer to that than where they are now. And it just seems like the Flyers kind of sat on their hands. Yeah, and I, I think it also accomplishes a little bit of an untangible where it – moves us a little further toward an actual rebuild where it's just removing somebody who's been around a while. And if 
John Tortorella is looking to change the tone for this team and change the vision for this team. I think having fewer people who were part of the doldrum years around is probably a good thing in the long run, right? Yeah, I agree. He's like I said, we we've all said it. It's a good guy, whatever. But sometimes mm-hmm. you have to make these changes in the locker room just for those same reasons, just because you don't want to have guys around too many of them from that era who remember mm-hmm. the losing. And, you know, now they will. I mean, again, and if the Flyers wanted to use the excuse, well, you know, we called on some of these guys, but we, I think we just named like four or five guys. You would have gotten one of them. Right. And they all would have helped the team. I mean, if Nick Delorier could get a contract with the Flyers like that, don't you think some of these other guys could have gotten one and gotten paid more? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where you, you kind of look at it and say, you know, why did you structure the team this way? And honestly, and, and this is not being jaded, I feel like they structured the team in a way where they're going to have like two fights a game, especially if, you know, they need momentum and they still feel like fighting gives you momentum, which again, I'll argue that because I think for every time that you could point to that it gives you momentum, there are five, six other times where it does nothing. And so... But I just feel like, and I've even seen some fans say this, like, hey, if the game's going to be bad, at least we'll get some entertainment with the fights. And I don't know, you got to be honest, it, it, does, it does seem like that's what they're shooting for in a way. Yeah, it's it's kind of maddening, I think. And you know, to your point, I think that one of the things that, you want when you structure this team is a look toward the future. And so if you look on paper, the savings from buying him out maybe doesn't seem to make sense. And, you know, thinking about what you could do with that money, but even just making these incremental changes this year, as opposed to next year could have moved things down the road a little bit faster. And for somebody who claimed to want to do an aggressive retool, like Chuck Fletcher did, this is a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, so last year, Nashville was number one in fighting majors, and Philly was 11. So I guess they have a chance to be number one this year. All right. Well, that was, I think, a really interesting conversation (laughs) and uh, leads us to ask what if about many things with this team. But we'll continue to ask those questions as the season moves on. Up next, we'll get to air our grievances with the nemesis of the week. Russ, when we talked about our nemesis last week, we discussed the summer being over with it being Labor Day weekend, but that also means it's September and hockey is closer. So it's this balance of being sad that the summer's over, but excited that hockey is coming back soon, which hockey coming back is always a good thing. Yeah, I always look forward to it, but I I get like there's a lot of people that are like, they don't care. They don't care. Wait until, you know, it starts. But I start looking forward to it now. Like there's events I'm going to. uh, There's things that are hockey related now. So I, you know, I'm into it now. Exactly. I am looking forward to some of the, you know, little tidbits of guys coming back early before training camp starts and all that. It's a ton of fun. 
what it was not fun for me this past week was our fellow locked on hosts in the NHL group. Uh, there was a vote on the best and worst uniforms in the NHL. There's a ranking. So there was, you know, a yes. top 10 and a bottom 10. And I got to say, the voting of our fellow locked on NHL host put the Flyers uniform in the number 28 out of 32 slot, which is uncalled for in many ways. I just, you know, it's not a top five. I, I absolutely don't think that. I think there's some great ones in the league, but I would put the Flyers somewhere around 10, 10 to 15 in there. So to be at 28, when there are things out there like the New Jersey Devils jersey, which I think is boring. The, it was even the Florida Panthers, which is by far the worst jersey in the league, in my opinion. They've never had a good uniform in Florida. No. Maybe At the Pavel Bore one with the two or three different colors, maybe, but. Maybe. I don't know. But, but they had the Blackhawks down low. Which yeah. is one of the classic ones in the league. Now, again, the Blackhawks have not had an issue with anything that goes with the Blackhawk name. Like, if you go back and look at it, they're free of pretty much any issue with the heritage. So, if we're just looking at it from basic looks. Well, no, that's not 100% uh, true. Ahead, the name then. is fine, but the imagery is is the problem for some people. Some people are fine with it in the native American okay. community and some are not. And so I think that it's um, there's a, there is a question there. Like, I don't think it's a, a solidly determined thing, but that Did being they said, think about that I'll, in this I'll, vote. Probably, probably. Okay. All right. But uh, you know, I think that a lot of people would say that the Blackhawks Jersey is the one of mo one of the most classic jerseys in sports, let alone in the NHL. Right. So right. there, there is something to that there, but uh, I'm just still mad. I'm mad. Like the flyers is a classic look. And I think it's people have like a bias against orange for some reason, but uncalled for, because if your Jersey is boring and has red or blue in it, like, what are we even doing here? Well, I, I like some red and blue. I like some with orange. <laughs> I like all different colors. I like sometimes when they go black. Right. But the Flyers logo is a great logo. Like it's the jerseys great. are good. I mean, it's 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 a really mm -hmm. good logo. Like I, again, I I don't know what what these hosts were doing. Uh, if we're talking about goals scored or where they're going to rank in the league, fine, put them twenty eighth. But I'm with you on this. The, the, this should yeah. be better. Do do better, other locked on hosts. Do you have a favorite jersey in the league? Well, I mean, I grew up a Ranger fan. I do like that jersey. I do like the Blackhawks jersey, too. Uh, mm -hmm. I like that one almost as much. And I love the Canadians jersey. Like, those three yeah. are Canadians three. Canadians did not make the top ten, which, again. Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can't like about the Canadians jersey. It's so it's good. True. It's my... I think one of my favorites, I think my personal favorite is the Red Wings jersey. I think, you know, it is red, but it that logo is classic and it's just sharp and simple, which is why it's I think it's similar to the Flyers jersey in that sense. Although that, that logo was borrowed, you know that that was not an original logo. Sure, but it still looks good. It does. It does. So. look good. And look, the Leafs jersey looks good, too. Like that's in my top mm -hmm. five. Yeah. Of I, classic I think so jerseys as well. 
Although I kind of like the old school, like retro fancy yes. leaf. Um, yeah, with the leaf you're talking about with like the, the different, uh, it's with the way that the leaf is on the ends, like it's got yeah. the, yes, that's, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I just think we've named, you know, and again, I don't know where the leaves fell on this list, but whatever. This is not a great <laughs> list. Do better, fellow locked on yeah. hosts with rating the We're coming after you. <laughs> All We're right. going to start rating the locked on hosts if you don't watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again on Wednesday. We're going to do a prospect profile on Devin Kaplan. We will be getting to your mailbag questions, so send them in. You can tweet us at locked on flyers. You can email us at locked on flyers at gmail.com. You can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ Cohen at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.